There's a new coach and new hopes and new dreams at the Fremantle Dockers. Time to check in on what they're up to during the shutdown period. Riley Beveridge, g'day. G'day Mitch, how are you going? Well, thank you. Back to round one. Dockers facing Essendon at Marvel Stadium. They were absolutely nowhere in the first half. The new coach, Justin Longmuir, uh, left to sort of look back on what could have been after a disappointing first half. They came to play after the main break. Where do we see the Dockers' expectations heading into the rest of 2020? Well, it's only a small sample size, Mitch, but I've been actually really impressed with the three games I've seen of Frio this year in terms of their two Marsh games. And then round one, they're, they're certainly their second half outing in round one. So uh, started the, the Marsh series with two wins. I thought they played some really nice, swift, attacking football. I thought they looked really promising in spurts as well. And then they come out in round one, and they have a, a shocking first half, which really hurt their chances of securing victory. And then uh, after that, I thought they were really good. They were really strong in the second half. They challenged Fremantle. And in the end, they challenged Essendon, sorry. And in the end, the Bombers were lucky that we were playing 16-minute quarters because mm. um, because I think if the game had been stretched out just a little bit further, they came with a real flourish at the end there. Uh, Andrew Brayshaw missed a, missed a flying shot on goal, which would have uh, maybe put them in front or at least put them level late in the game. They, they had the ball down there 50. They, they were creating opportunities. So, I mean, younger side in the competition heading into the year, I was certainly one that thought perhaps maybe they might finish bottom three or four in the ladder, maybe bottom two. I saw some people tipping them for the wooden spoon even. So uh, I think on the evidence that we've seen in the first three games of the year, and in particular in the Marsh games, then the second half in round one, I, I think they, they were on track certainly to perform above expectations. And I think that's what you get when you've got the A-graders on their side. So you can say a lot about their youth. They bring in obviously three top 10 picks in, in Young, Sarong, and, uh, and, and Henry. So uh, I think they've got youth on their side. They've got genuine A-graders, as you mentioned, in Walters and Fife. And, and that combination, I think, probably would have gotten a few more wins than a lot, a lot of people thought. And they're playing without Joel Hamling, uh, Alex Pierce. They're two key figures in defence. Griffin Logue's been forced to play above his height. And I think it's a real <laughs> year of reckoning for him, given mm. the reps that have been put on him and, and where he was taken in the draft um, all those years ago. And then you look at the front half, um, Sam Sturt was asked to play a role, and I, I thought he looked really good in his first game. No Jesse Hogan, uh, no David Mundy. So, so many, so much has spoken about injuries at other clubs, but I think the Dockers have sort of slipped under the radar with, in terms of what they're dealing with on the injury front. Just on those young kids, uh, we didn't see any of them in the first mm. game, so they decided to hold Sarong back. He was a travelling emergency um, for the game at Marvel Stadium. What do we think? And what can we expect from those guys? Because of the one we did see, the debutant who's been in the system for 12 months now, um, Sam Sturd, I think he looked a likely type. Yeah, I mean, in those plays, you've got four first-round draft picks. Obviously, Sam Sturd, a first-rounder from the 2018 draft, missed all of his first season, dealt with a few concussion issues because of that. Um, but the three they bring in this year, uh, we saw exactly what you said from Sturt in round one, that he's ready for senior football now and he can play a consistent role in that senior side. I think once uh, Young, um, Sarong and, and Henry have a few uh, a few solid weeks of training under their belt, obviously they all dealt with one injury problem or another over the summer. Um, I mean, you, you look at Henry. Henry's uh, had a shoulder injury, which he carried in with him to the club. Young's got a minor quad issue, which set him back a little bit. Sarong didn't get much game time throughout the, the Marsh Community Series. So they're players that can really add to the senior team. I think they're ready for senior football when they will be eventually given the chance if they've got a solid training block under their belt. Um, Young's obviously a really likely type that can intercept across half-back and 
and really start four ways forward with his ability to turn onto his onto his raking foot and, and kick the ball really nicely as well. Sarong, someone that can play either forward, he can go through the midfield as well, is diminutive, but he's really evasive and he's got good skills and he can win the contested ball. And Henry's just a live wire. So think of someone like a, a Michael Walters. He's a younger version of him who can, again, play through the midfield if he needs to. And he did that for WA at the National Carnival last year. Or he can go forward and provide a spark in the forward line. He's also got a really nice leap to him and can take a mark above his head. So if you add Sam Sturton to that mix, that's four first-round picks who are, are going to add genuine quality to Fremantle over not just the next 12 months, but hopefully the next 10 to 12 years. And it's something they've been crying out for, to be honest, because we haven't seen much of Stephen Hill. I think he's one of their premier ball users. But outside of that, Nat Feist isn't known for his, his ball use. And when they've got the key targets in attack that they have had for the last 12, 18 months at least, it's really been a lack of cohesion going forward with their ball use. And I think that's what you, you hopefully see with Sarong, Henry and Young when they're all up and firing. Just back to that round one game, so, so much has changed at the Dockers, but something that remains is just their overemphasis on their guns. Fife has to do, yeah. carry so much of the load. And in the last quarter, once again, surprise, surprise, it was Michael Walters that was thrown into the midfield and, you know, delivered quite a few important clearances. Do you, do you think there's an, an overemphasis on those guys? I think there is, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think Justin Longmuir probably expects that. Um, so, uh, I mean, I look at someone like a Michael Walters and look at where he plays this year. I mean, started forward on, on in round one, but when he went through the midfield in that second half, he really started to get his hands on the footy a lot, set up a lot of their forays forward, managed to, to even get on the end of a couple in the, the forward half of the ground, kick a couple of really crucial goals. So, those young kids that we mentioned before, and in particular Sarong and Henry, I think when they come into the side, they might add a pretty valuable point of difference in the forward line. Um, Sarong is probably more of a midfielder, but but can go forward and create something. Henry's someone's going to add a bit of life and energy into that forward line as it is. I think when that happens, they might be able to rely a bit more on playing Michael Walters through the forward line. They won't have to rely on his spark uh, in attack, so they can they can rely sorry on playing him in the midfield. I think that's probably where his best position is. They probably just need two Michael Walters. Um, I mean, every club would be asking for that at the moment as well. But but if they could have one of him that could play permanent forward and one that could play permanently through the midfield, they'd be a much better side. But getting back to your question, yes, they rely heavily on Fife and Walters. But, but what club wouldn't? If you put that club into Richmond, I think they'd, they'd start relying heavily on those two because they're such quality players. And I think that's where um, J-Lo, Justin Longmuir, <laughs> might be able to start relying on uh, a couple more wins to come from. Might just be able to, to sort of bank on the fact that Fife and Walters, two of the best players in the game, will be able to win games for the Dockers this year off their own boot. Two names that surprised me during the Marsh Community Series, Riley, were Brandon Matera and Connor Blakely. They were left out of the second Marsh Community Series yeah. game, um, both emergencies for round one. So not in the initial thoughts of Justin Olmio. So you're going to get that with a new coach, but I'm really curious to see how those guys um, turn their start to the season around when we were back from the shutdown because uh, clearly there's a statement from the new coach and something they need to improve on in both of those ga- both of their games. Just to the wings, um, we didn't see Blake Akers in round one. He's still dealing with that hamstring injury he sustained during the summer. Where do we see them filling the holes? Because when it comes to holes, there's very few the size of Bradley Hill and Ed Langdon on the wings at the Dockers. Yeah, completely agree. Um... Obviously, Akers will add a bit of run when he comes back into the side. He looked really good throughout his his appearances in the Marsh Community Series. I was really impressed with what he delivered against Carlton in particular in that first one. And then, 
Um, obviously, as you said, he sustained the injury, which kept him out of round one. But, um, yeah, look, they brought, they bring in James Aish from the Magpies. I know he's probably going to be preferred or half-back. Justin Longmuir knows what he can do there, but he might be able to provide a bit of a run that Hill and Langdon did last year, particularly out of defence. Two that I was pretty impressed with in round one were Brett Buley and, uh, and Darcy Tucker. Tucker's another one who was really highly touted out of his out of his draft year. It's probably taken him a, a bit longer than, to develop than, than maybe a lot of Fremantle supporters might have liked, but he got his hands on the footy, won a lot of the uncontested ball in that first game. And then Brett Buley might not have the speed, but but certainly has the endurance on the outside that can uh, that can help the Dockers. But as you said, going to be really hard to to, to fill the gap that, that Bradley Hill and Ed Langdon left. Just on the, the couple of players that, that you mentioned before that were left out of round one, really surprised by Connor Blakely in particular. I mean... Mm-hmm. Been touted for so long as someone that could play that David Mundy role when Mundy eventually goes. Obviously, start his career off half back, but but then when he's gone through the midfield, he's shown a fair bit. Just not sure why he's out of the favour of, of Justin Longmuir at the moment. I mean, he seems like a player that Fremantle could really rely upon uh, as a midfield option. We mentioned before they rely pretty heavily on on Walters and Fife, whether or not he'd be able to add something there. And of course, Mundy didn't play in round one, still coming back from that broken leg. So um, whether or not they they might be able to 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 uh, for, for for Blakely to fill his void and why he didn't play in round one. That's a question that, that I, I sort of want an, wanted answered going into round one and, and hopefully we get answers later in the season, whether or not it's a fitness thing, whether or not it's just something that, that Justin Longmuir wants him doing that he's not doing at the moment. That's a really intriguing story at the moment, I reckon. And just finally, in their front half, I, I think the mix between their rucks and their key forwards is so fascinating. So mm. um, Sean Darcy burst onto the scene as a youngster, clearly was held behind Aaron Sandilands, but now Sandlands is retired for the first season. It's his chance to grasp that. But like we saw against the Bombers, and it has been the case for so long, often they look more dangerous with Rory Lobb as yeah. the number one ruck. And I don't, I personally don't see Darcy as the guy that can go and play a full quarter at full forward. I think he's number one ruck and probably not so much the forward yet. Where do you see that heading? And where does that fit in with Tabiner? And fingers crossed we can see Hogan at some point. Yeah, it's an interesting one. You look at Fremantle's leading goal kickers last year, and it's Michael Walters and Brandon Matera, who are smaller mm-hmm. options. So, I mean, there are a few concerns about their key position stocks, forward of centre. Um, obviously, Jesse Hogan pretty much out for an indefinite period. Um, you mentioned there that, that Rory Lobb probably looks better as a ruckman, but whether or not someone like... Because Sean Darcy can't play forward of centre, whether or not they think, let's sacrifice what we'd get from Lobb in the ruck, play him as a key forward alongside Cam McCarthy and Matt Tabiner, um, particularly while we don't have many key position options up in attack, and just sort of say, we might be able to make do with Sean Darcy, but we can't make do without a genuine key forward option up forward. And, and Tabner and McCarthy haven't necessarily been consistent, reliable goal-kicking options for Fremantle. Um, McCarthy had that really good season at GWS, but hasn't necessarily been able to replicate it consistently at the Dockers. Uh, Tabner's had a career that's promised so much, but hasn't really delivered to its full potential whether or not Lobb is the guy who can sort of be that 40-goal-a-year goal kicker uh, up forward for the Dockers and just say we can, we can get enough out of him forward to, and we can get enough out of Sean Darcy in the ruck where we don't necessarily have to rely upon Rory Lobb to play in the ruck. That's, that's what I'd do anyway, and I'd sort of see if a three-pronged or even a two-pronged option between probably McCarthy and Lobb and then maybe throwing Tabner as well, particularly when you're without Jesse Hogan, whether or not that would work long-term. I'll tell you what, if Cam McCarthy's season is... Anything like his dancing that we've seen the <laughs> shutdown period, it's on the Dockers' social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you haven't seen it, it's one to check out. Riley, thanks for joining us on the Shutdown Report Cards. Thank you, Mitcho.
Keep clicking back. AFL.com.au. All 18 clubs will take a look over the next few weeks.